there were not many expats even then in 2010, you know. So in Amsterdam, yes, but I also started off in another small city called Utrecht, which was uh, which is not very far from Amsterdam. So funnily because you know i was starting off and i wanted to actually teach my courses in english because i was seeing that there's a gap in the system but it was very funny with even the midwifery practices around in the neighborhood um they were like but but you're a foreigner you don't speak this language so everybody speaks dutch and you're like but you're speaking english and how would this fit in so i literally had to go from door to door knocking on everybody's door to leave flyers and say this is what i'm doing so if you get an english speaking couple or if one person is you know an english speaker and the other person is dutch please let them know that you know such a course course exists it literally began from that point i remember the first year um just working with three four people that's about it we are not telling you to quit your job here at Out the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University, and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up? What up? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad to be alive. So excited to be healthy. Now, for real, what up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. Yes, sir. And as always, you guys know... We don't bring you an episode unless we bring you an incredible guest that's just going to provide you so much value. So, of course, today is no exception. Really, really excited about uh, today. I think now you are probably our second, yeah, I believe our second international guest that we've had. So this is, uh, this is pretty exciting being able to get into uh, uncharted territory here. But without further ado, I do want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. My gosh, she, she has so many things going for her. She's certified in hypnobirthing, uh, hypnomothering, hypnofertility practitioner. Uh, she's trained as a childbirth educator. She's a hypnobirthing infant massage practitioner, and she is certified in water birth education. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce the lovely Miss Chitra Natarajan. Chitra, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? Oh, thank you very much. It's such an honor to be here. Doing really well. Thank you. It's, um, you're almost my bedtime now, but really happy to be here to have a conversation with the both of you. And she's, for our guest, she's over in the Netherlands. So she is six hours ahead of us right now. So uh, we greatly appreciate you being able to, to make some time to talk to us. And uh, let's be respectful of your time. Let's dive right into it. So just right off the bat, we always like to start with why, right? So tell us, why did you choose to pursue this field of hypnobirthing and, and everything that it's uh, embranched or enveloped into? Sure. Thank you for asking that question. I think it's always important to start with the why. 
Um, so just to sort of to give you a background, I have a background in, in the corporate world, in human resources. I was working in the corporate world for about 10 years um, before moving to the Netherlands. And then it was the move to the Netherlands and then having an understanding of the whole Dutch midwifery care. Um, it's a long-standing tradition of midwifery care. And also having a very, very good birthing experience for myself that I experienced with the birth of my daughter sort of opened my eyes into the world that I was actually you know, getting into uh, in the Netherlands. Um, to tell you a little story, my next door neighbor, she was fully pregnant. I mean, I knew her before she got pregnant, but then, you know, she became fully pregnant and she was definitely going to go to the hospital. She was consulting with the midwife to give, you know, to, you know, for her pregnancy and she was going to um, give birth in the hospital. And then I hear a baby cry in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh my God, did she give birth at home? And that's when I sort of got very intrigued by the whole, the home birth as a concept in, in the Netherlands. And then the next morning, of course, I went around. I was really curious to sort of, you know, knock on her door and say, hey, hello, what happened? I thought you went to the hospital. She was like, nope, you know, accidental home birth. It, went, it all went really well. And that got me extremely curious about how is it that, you know, the people in the Netherlands, the Dutch are still doing home births. And what do you mean by whatever? And what do you mean by, you know, just going to a midwife? Because coming from India with my own birthing experience, I, when I was pregnant, I was actually going to an obstetrician. So there was a period in my life where when I was pregnant, you know, my husband and I, we were in India for about a year and a half. Um, so I was still definitely going to an obstetrician. So there was, there was no concept of going to a midwife per se. Midwives were eradicated over a period of time. So when I, I remember having a conversation with my grandmother where she had a midwife for her, you know, the birth of her kids, including my mother. Whereas when my mother was pregnant with me, she went to a hospital, to a, to a gynecologist. And that's exactly how things changed. So I went to a gynecologist as well for my, for my pregnancy. So from there to having this completely different outlook of how do midwives exist and what is the role of a midwife here? How is a midwife, you know, equipped enough to be able to actually help a mother give birth? That got my curiosity going. And that's how I actually entered the birthing field. And I also saw that, um, you know, there was a need and, you know, in the space, the niche space of there were a lot of expats coming into the Netherlands, just as I did. Um, but there was there was the niche and the, there was a um, there was a place for me to be able to establish myself and grow in the birthing world as a birth worker. And that's how I found Lamar's philosophy, you know, which was very mirroring to what I really wanted to do. So I actually went to Los Angeles to, you know, do my Lamar's certification program. I had a couple of mentors there and I started this in 2010. So as soon as I came back with, I finished my mentorship and I started my, uh, my brand, my company, Akriti, uh, in the Netherlands. But also, um, I also wanted to sort of, you know, dive a little bit more deeper and i found hypnobirthing as well the hypnobirthing institute and i trained with them and then there's been no looking back and i've been teaching hypnobirthing courses also also generic childbirth education for couples for expats or people who come from a different country but also having uh, to experience um, the local dutch culture in terms of how a maternity system would work i sort of wanted to become a bridge and that's how i entered this field I really, really love that. And I love that you brought up um, hypnobirthing because I do want to ask the question. And this question is in regard to, you know, healthcare in the United States versus, say, the Netherlands. Okay. Um, what's something that you 
if you could, you'd want to be able to change in the United States so that it could better serve the mothers that are giving birth and the people that are providing that care for them. I think what I have seen and what I have also sort of experienced just being there and, you know, understanding the system in the U.S., I think the U.S. system is extremely medicalized to a point where as soon as you become pregnant, you go to a hospital or you go to your care provider uh, to a point where they have to do your monthly checks and things like that to a point where, um, where people are so worried about labor and birth in terms of the fear of the unknown, where mothers even can go in and say, give me a C-section at some point, right? It has become so medicalized. And I, I believe um, in the US, the C-section rate is about 38.3%, if I'm not wrong. Um, whereas here in the Netherlands, you can't basically walk into a hospital and say, hey, give me a C-section. That's not a possibility at all. They would try and explore the possibility of a vaginal birth for a mother here, simply because for a, a vaginal birth, as the physiology of labor progresses, um, it's so much more better for a mother to go through the physiology in normal aspect of, you know, keeping it as easy and as laid back and as simple as possible so that the mother gives birth vaginally and then her recovery is a lot more easier. So that's the, that's the difference between the system, I think, in the U.S. Um, versus what happens in the Netherlands, where birth has become extremely medicalized in the U.S. and not only in the U.S. Say for example, where I come from in India, it's extremely medicalized. So to how it was 60 years ago to how it is now, I feel that, you know, in South Asia, um, India sort of looks up to what happens in the U.S. Um, and we sort of try and mirror, you know, the possibilities of, you know, a lot of interventions um, unnecessarily. Um, whereas that's something that is a little bit more laid back um, in terms of, you know, how birthing happens as a birthing culture in the Netherlands. Now, Chitra, I'm really, I'm really, really glad that uh, Paul asked that question and that you answered it the way you did, because it's going to lead me into uh, a new segment that we've been doing, which is our, our Black health segment. Because, you know, in, in the U.S., there are a lot of disparities, you know, in, in among minor, my, minorities, um, especially Black and African Americans. And so something that I had read was saying that among African Americans, the maternal mortality rate is obviously like far worse. And like out of every 100,000 non-Hispanic Black women who gave birth in the U.S., I believe it was in 2018, like 37 of them died, you know, and that's twice the rate of the maternal deaths, like among white women in the U.S. and three times the rate of Hispanic women that are in the U.S. as well. And so um, I'm really glad that you answered, you know, the question that Paul asked you the way you did, because I felt like it was a good segue for me to bring that up. And uh, the next question that I want to ask you, kind of piggying, piggybacking off of that stat, as well as uh, what you just said, is what would you say are, if you could give like three tips, what would you say are like your top three tips um, that you would give in order for Black women to be able to have, you know, uh, a safer uh, birthing process? If you ask for, okay, in terms of say three tips, I would say, first of all, you need to um, 
ally or you need to find a care provider for yourself who will understand you know where you come from and what your ethnicity is and you know they can be of greater support and help there are a lot of black midwives in the us now i mean different depending on the different states that you come from you probably will have to do a little bit more research and if you you know need more midwives and that's how the demand basically you know if there is more demand there's going to be more supply so you have to find a care provider who can actually help you support you understand where you come from so that there is a possibility of um, a dignified birth i think that's very very important um, and the place where you give birth that's also very important you know whether you choose to have a home birth or whether you choose to have a hospital birth you need to have um, a place where you feel comfortable so it means that your care provider needs to be of support um, you need to feel comfortable about where you want to give birth and the third possibility would be to have a support person your partner um, or if you're a single mother then maybe having a professional support person there's there is a um, you know there are a team of people they're called doulas i don't know if you know about doulas um, a doula is a professional support person her role is to be there as an emotional support person for the mother to be able to help her give birth and i think it's very important for black mothers in the us to have all these people as ally i always say this um for a pregnant mother and for a mother who's going into labor she needs to feel comfortable about where she gives birth who she has around her and where she gives birth it's very important so all of this needs to fall in place for her to feel comfortable she also needs to feel comfortable about having the support from the care provider knowing that if something is going on with her or something is going on with her baby the the care provider sort of immediately understands that right i need to get some help right now so that the transfer can happen to the hospital quite quickly or if you're in the hospital then if the mother is saying something then the mother needs to be heard i mean that's the most important thing for a mother to feel safe to feel secure to feel comfortable enough to be able to relax so that she knows that if something is going on there are people around her who can actually help her go through the whole laboring process and also to intervene if there is an absolute necessity i think it's very important for a mother to feel comfortable that is amazing first of all because um I don't think a lot of people even understand that those things are options. Um, you know, like you said before, birthing and the birthing process in the United States become so medicalized that somebody gets pregnant and immediately I need to go to the hospital. There is no in-between steps. So I love that you're able to break that down. And what I want to do now is kind of transition a little bit into one defining hypnobirthing because I want to get into that. And then from there, let's kind of build on like, how this then applies to a lot of people because now what we've done is we've been able to establish like these are the things people need to do but they they don't even know what to do or how to do where to go to find it right so let's start off just by your definition what is hypnobirthing hypnobirthing is you know the process of using hypnosis so when when you think about hypnosis people sort of feel like is it something a bit you know uh, a bit of a quackery not really hypnosis is nothing but you know being in a in a meditative state in a state of sleep in a state of trance where you're open to suggestions which you're normally not in a normal waking level so when we're having this conversation like this our logical part of the brain is extremely present and extremely pronounced at this point in time whereas you know when we 
are going into that sleep-like state, you know, when I'm not logical enough, that means that, you know, a part of my brain, the left side of my brain, which is extremely logical, suppresses. And then the right side of my brain, which is a little bit more creative, a little bit more vulnerable, sort of takes over when we go to that sleep-like state. And that's usually the state that the mother actually goes into when she is actually in labor. The laboring process is so intense. It sort of builds up over a period of time. You know, our body sort of produces, um, you know, perfect concoction of all these laboring hormones, which sort of takes her into that, you know, into that deeply, you know, trance-like meditative state. So in that state, when the mother is actually using some of this hypnosis, um, you know, therapy as, uh, you know, as techniques, as tools, it sort of helps her, guides her to actually stay calm and not be anxious, not be fearful um, about what is to come. I mean, that really is the concept of hypnobirthing. So I trained um, with the, you know, in the Mongan method, which is by Marie Mongan, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, Marie Mongan is, again, she's American. And her idea of hypnobirthing that came into existence was because, you know, she wanted to use her hypnotherapy background um, in the birthing world so that her daughter can actually have an, an, a, a very peaceful, a very calmful birthing experience rather than it being too medicalized. And that's how hypnobirthing was, you know, um, as, as a concept, as a technique, it actually came into existence. Um, and now I think we're about 200, 300, 400 practitioners around the world, I think, you know, doing hypnobirthing. But the understanding really is that there is a mind-body connection that the mother actually goes through when it comes to the whole process of labor. Labor is extremely intuitive. It's very, very instinctive. When the mother feels the need to get up or walk or move, she would have the needs to be able to eat or drink. She would want to sort of, you know, get into different positions that she feels comfortable. She feels like having a shower or she might want to get into a tub. I mean, these are all very instinctive sort of behavioral um, you know, aspects when it comes to, a, you know, to any mammalian creature. But you know, if you think about other mammals giving birth, say a cow you know, giving birth in a barn, what she does, she walks around, she moves around, she makes those deep guttural moans um, where you know, before she actually gives birth. It's very similar to what we do. You know, we're also another mammalian creature. We do the same thing, but unfortunately, because birth has become so medicalized, that as soon as we go into labor, we're so fearful and so anxious about what is, to, what is going to happen that we say, no, I have to go to the hospital. I need to be monitored, right? I need to be you know, in a place where I feel safer so that if something goes on with me or my baby, that somebody is there actually to be able to help me out. I'm not saying that that situation will not arise. You know, for a healthy mother carrying a healthy baby, um, birth doesn't necessarily have to be a medicalized event. Whereas for some mothers, during the pregnancy itself, that you start seeing some patterns, some established patterns, you know, some medicalized situations where she definitely needs to be monitored, then we understand it needs to be in the hospital. But even in the hospital, we need to let the mother be to a point where she feels comfortable about, you know, the kind of other interventions, the checks and everything that needs to happen around her. She needs to feel comfortable enough to be able to say, yes, go ahead and give me, you know, this intervention or go ahead and check me or go ahead. And... So we call this as informed decision-making. The mother needs to be informed so that she can say, yes, I'd like to have this check as an informed consent. Or she should be in a position to say, 
right, I've heard what you're saying, but I'd like to take my time to be able to come back to you. So it could be informed consent or in, informed refusal. So consent is very important for a mother so that she feels heard. But for all of this to happen, it needs to start from how the mother um, and the parent, basically, the mother and the partner, or the mother and a support person, they're basically sort of preparing themselves for the whole process of labor and birth. It is unfortunate. You might also just wonder why should anybody even prepare? You know, this is something that needs to happen automatically in the system. But unfortunately, we are too far fresh from what the, you know, what is supposed to be happening. We've gone to the other side of the pendulum where everything has become so medicalized. But now we have to sort of go back to the origins of how did people give birth 200 years ago? How did people give birth 100 years ago? How did people give birth 60 years ago? Why are we you know, going to the other extreme, right? The possibilities of you know, a home water birth or a hospital birth without an intervention or a birthing center birth without an intervention, it's definitely possible. Um, but I also want to say that you know, how the midwives work, the midwives are in a position to actually take care of the mother um, under her scope of normal physiological labor, when she knows that if there is something that's going on with the mother, then she can trust the hospital staff to be able to move her. So there needs to be a dialogue between the hospital and the midwives. So in the Netherlands, the midwives are treated as independent entities, you know. So a mother who's pregnant will go to a midwife who's in the neighborhood. So she will do all her checks. Everything is taken care of by the midwife. And so she becomes the first line of care provider for her. And if something changes during the pregnancy, if the mother becomes a high-risk pregnant mother, then she would be moved to the hospital. And in the hospital, a clinical midwife in the hospital will actually look at the mother unless the mother really shows some of those, you know, the vital stats which have, have different discrepancies, then the third level of what we call as an obstetrician or a gynecologist will actually take over. Until that point, you're still keeping in touch with the midwife. So the system in itself is slightly different in the US. So things have become so medicalized that unfortunately now mothers, you know, will have to prepare themselves you know, for the kind of birth that they would really like. So it means that only when they prepare themselves, they need to know what their rights are so that they can pick and choose the care provider they feel comfortable with. So for that to happen, they need to have uh, an understanding of the system. And for that, they need to prepare themselves. So for that, hypnobirthing can actually really help them understand what are the different, you know, possibilities of them getting the care that they really need. First of all, I am super blown away right now. Um, it's particularly because as somebody who uh, can't physically give birth and then um, just as somebody who's never had to kind of see somebody go through it, it's just amazing to hear all this. Earlier you did mention, you know, and it's something that I want to point out. And I think we talked about this a little bit um, before we started recording, but I just can't stop thinking about my best friend, you know, and, and him and having his kid and his wife going through that birthing process. And as she was re retelling the process to it, you mentioned something about like, it becomes this existential thing that the mother goes into a trance. Yeah. Right. And I remember, you know, as she was sharing that she was explaining like, you know, she was having cramps and stuff like that. Right. But it got so intense that there were just points where like she went into this trance where she would literally pass out 
because she knew physically she needed to protect herself and the baby. So she would literally pass out and then she'd wake up for like 15 to 20 seconds while the body was cramping and she would pass out. And this one for like an hour and a half, just in and out. So I'm just so interested, you know, you explaining like, yeah, it's such an instinctual thing. And I mean, even learning on the back end how the body starts to produce things that the baby needs through the milk and all these other things. It's crazy. Like the body can tell that your baby's not feeling well. I've been, I've been doing a lot of research on this. So um, I'm not having a kid right now, but I'm just (laughs) blown away by this. But what I do want to ask, particularly to um, that step that people tend to miss, right? Mm -hmm. Because something I have been thinking about um, is when I do have a child, right? When I do have a son or daughter, um, and my then wife, um, is going through that process, you know, to me, I've ever since hearing, you know, my, my friend's story, I've been looking at this, like, yo, we have to stop treating this as if it's some three-step process, you know, it's something that requires, unfortunately, a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. And what you're mentioning is that, and I love it because there's a three-step level, right? You don't just go straight from I'm pregnant to the OB. There's the midwife, then there's the clinical one. Then if it requires the third level, then we go into that third level, right? So my question for you is this, um, when it comes to, and you know, this, when it comes to mothers being able to prepare for that, right? Because not a lot of people have access to the hypnobirthing. Absolutely. Right? So what is it, and especially for those who are interested in coming into hypnobirthing, and they're thinking, okay, maybe this is something I do want to do in the States or I do want to do wherever I am, you know, whatever you're listening to this podcast. Um, what, what do they need to start preparing with now? And what resources to the, should they utilize to get them ready? Because like you mentioned, I mean, it's so medicalized that my whole life, I just assumed you get, you get pregnant, you go to the hospital, you have a kid. In the state, you get a bill for like ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, go forth with it. So, what yeah. resources can they use? Either one to either learn how to do hypnobirthing, or two as a mother, utilize those resources to get themselves and their partner ready to actually go through the process. Absolutely, um, very very good question. And I will also tell you what your your friend's wife sort of went through when you were saying that, you know, she was passing out. It's what we call as the transition phase between seven to 10 centimeters when she's dilating, where the intensity of these contractions are so high, so primordial and so intense, mothers will sort of doze off to sleep. And that's actually a good sign that things are actually moving really well for the birth that needs to happen. So it's the birth is imminent, you know, so that's actually a very, very good sign. But when you don't know that, then you sort of feel like, how long am I actually going to go through this? You know, so that's one thing. That's probably what your, you know, friend's girlfriend or your wife, um, friend's wife actually sort of went through. But in terms of, you know, with the hypnobirthing, I have to say that in the U.S., there are a lot of hypnobirthing practitioners in different states in the U.S. So if there is a possibility for you to actually get in touch with somebody that's close by in your neighborhood to have a conversation, that's something that would be great. But I also understand that it's not... Um, inexpensive. It is going to be something where you have to, um, you know, pay money from your pocket. I don't know how the insurance systems and things like that work in the U.S. So if that becomes too much for you, then the easiest thing for you for you to do is to be able to read positive literature. So it means that reading a hypnobirthing book, um, and there are a few other books as well. There's a 
that's a very nice midwife from, uh, you know, she's actually a pioneer in childbirth. It's, uh, you know, she's called Ina Megaskin from, uh, from Tennessee. So, you know, um, you know, she's written a book. Um, she's actually written plenty of books as well. It's, um, you know, I, I have the book I can actually show it to you. It's called, you know, A Guide to Childbirth. Um, so that's again, this is again a wonderful book that, you know, that people can actually use. I will send you all the information so that you can actually put it in your show notes. So Ina Megaskin's book is again a wonderful book. The Hypnobirthing book by Marie Mongan is again a very, very good book. Um, the Positive Birth book by a mother called Millie Hill from the UK. She's a mother of three. She's written this book, which talks about different types of births, right from hospital births to what happens if you take a pain medication to a hypnobirthing birth, to a water birth, to what happens if it is a C-section birth. All this information is now available um, to a point where you need to start reading positive literature. So that will give you the strength to understand that your body can go through this. It's not that your body is systemically flawed. Um, and when you're pregnant, you're not a patient. You're just a pregnant mother who needs to go through this whole process of pregnancy. And when you equip yourself with all this literature, this information that's available now as form of books, and it's available on, on online, um, there are a lot of these audio files um, with the hypnobirthing book, especially it, they, it comes with, um, you know, a few affirmations and, and, and audio files and, um, and relaxation techniques, which will actually sort of, you know, positively reaffirm what you're going through. So that will sort of give you the strength to be able to go through laboring process because, I mean, everybody gives birth to a baby. I mean, giving birth to babies is not something very new now. I mean, our ancestors have been doing it and, you know, people in the future, I mean, all, everybody is going to do it. But because as society, there's so much of negativity and fear around, you know, labor and birth, we're always sort of thinking, what if something goes wrong? Yes, that's definitely a possibility, but that's not where we should start our you know, pregnancy as a journey. We should be starting off with, I'm healthy and my baby is healthy. For a healthy mother and a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby, what can I do to prepare myself um, so that I can be an advocate for my own birth journey as to what I want to achieve you know, with my birth? So it starts from there. And when you start preparing yourself and then you start assembling your birthing team, you know, getting your partner ready so that, you know, your partner can be of huge support. I always think, tell this, you know, especially as birth companion, as men folks, you know, men are usually like, well, what am I supposed to do in the laboring room? I mean, she's going through something intense. And, but even though she's going through something intense, the role of a partner is extremely crucial. Your presence in the laboring room is going to make her feel comfortable, you know, whether it is by giving her massaging techniques, you know, a lot of embracing, you know, process, lots of hugs, lots of kisses, lots of eye to eye contact, telling her that, you know, she's doing wonderfully well when she's ready to give up, telling her, hey, don't give up. I'm here. We're doing this together. It's a journey that both of you sort of take. So I think it's important for, um, for expectant parents to understand there are many other ways to prepare for the whole laboring process and for birth. Um, so hypnobirthing is just one aspect of it, but there are other ways. And even if you're not in a position to actually go and afford a course, please pick up a book and read. And if you are interested in more such, you know, um, such evidence-based research, there's, there are tons of resources that's out there. Um, it's just that you have to start from somewhere. So start with that as a process, reading positive literature, and then talking to a lot of other people 
finding the care provider who can actually help you go through the whole process where you feel that you're being heard. So that's the most important thing. The mothers will have to be, um, you know, she needs to feel calm. She needs to feel safe. Uh, she needs to feel dignified to be able to give birth in a way where she feels comfortable. That's very important. I'm just like soaking it, soaking it all in because this is a, uh, wow, this is phenomenal. Like this, we're, we're really learning right now. Like we're, we're, we're really learning. So uh, thank you for, for educating us. And I want, to, I want to ask you now, um, pivoting a little bit into, because like, you know, you are this amazing specialist, but part of that is also wearing the hat as being a business owner. Yes. And I want to ask you in terms of the business, what would you say what would you say has been the biggest obstacle that you've had to over you had to overcome in your business so far absolutely so i um you know started my business in 2010 um but i also want to tell you that you know in the netherlands um there were not many expats even then in 2010 you know so in amsterdam yes but i also started off in another small city called utrecht which was uh, which is not very far from amsterdam so funnily because you know i was starting off and i wanted to actually teach my courses in english because i was seeing that there's a gap in the system but it was very funny with even the midwifery practices around in the neighborhood um they were like but but you're a foreigner you don't speak this language so everybody speaks dutch and you're like but you're speaking english and how would this fit in so i literally had to go from door to door, knocking on everybody's door to leave flyers and say, this is what I'm doing. So if you get an English speaking couple, or if one person is, you know, an English speaker and the other person is Dutch, please let them know that, you know, such a course, course exists. It literally began from that point. I remember the first year um, just working with three, four people. That's about it, you know. And then we start, I started off with just three or four people saying that, okay, are you pregnant? You're interested? Please come, I'll explain what I'm actually trying to do um, to where I am today. Um, it definitely has been a journey. It's not been easy, but the biggest obstacle has been for the care providers to see who I am because I'm also an outsider. I'm not Dutch, you know. I, I didn't grow up here. I am from India. So they were like, oh, you've moved here, but you want to try and do this. So there is... A difference in the system you know i'm not um you know they call it as um you know as you're you're not from here <laughs> you know you're a foreigner um but i am a foreigner who understands the system and then and then there was this sudden influx of a lot of other you know uh, migrant families so people moving here uh, for work other expat families moving here and that sort of paved way to expand my business and to sort of get in here to make people understand that this is actually a fantastic system. Let me tell you, even though the Dutch midwifery care is wonderful, when you come from a place like the US or when you come from, say, Spain in continental Europe, or if you come from, um, say, Israel, say, for example, or if you come from India, if you come from China, if you come from Japan, the system is completely alien to people. So you need to understand why the system works, you know, this way. And also the Dutch are true believers in, you know, personal responsibility and freedom. So it means that you are expected to do your homework. 
Whereas if you come from a system where people are going to tell you, you need to do this, this and that, it means that it's a top-down approach to where here you are expected to do your research and come and ask questions. So there is a discrepancy. So if you don't know that, you sort of would wonder, why should I be going to a midwife? I should be going to an obstetrician. That's exactly what we would do back at home. Right. So my role is to sort of bridge that. And I have sort of established myself to a point where I feel comfortable right now. But when I started, it was not that easy. I love that go getter mentality, too. Um, that's definitely an entrepreneurship. One of the things that people underestimate, just the ability to get out there and actually physically do it. Leading to my next question, and uh, this would be what would you say are your top three success habits that you currently have or you've developed over the years? Um, the never give up attitude. Just as, you know, whether people like it or not, I would try and sort of present myself um, at various opportunities. Even if there is no opportunities, if there is a possibility of networking or being there to talk about what I do, um, that's definitely has helped my business um, in, in a lot of ways, whether it is a speaking opportunity or whether it is an opportunity in a small uh, community where there is an outreach program, say, for example, where I have had to do something, um, you know, on a pro bono basis, I have been there. And that's something that I do proactively so that people needs to know you know, what I do, but it also means that I have to give something back to the community. That's something that I've always done. And that's definitely helped my, um, help my business. Um, and the second thing in terms of, you know, um, um, in terms of my, you know, uh, managing the the professional as well as the personal life in terms of, you know, um, managing expectations and also making sure that there is enough planning because, um, you know, I'm, I'm also a mother. Um, I also have my other commitments with my, with my friends, you know, traveling. Um, so it means that managing my work in terms of time. So it means that, um, you know, my husband, myself and my daughter, we sort of, you know, plan our schedules to a point where it works for me because I um, not only have to teach, but I also have to take care of other aspects of my business as well. So that's something, you know, that's been extremely, um, extremely helpful. What was the third? Yeah. And that prominently these two, you know, are, are things that I would definitely say. And the third thing as an opportunity, when there is an opportunity that comes my way, I never let it go. And I don't have the fear of, um, should I be doing this because I'm not so sure that I'm going to get anything back? I mean, it's the same thing with my podcast as well that I've just released. The idea is to do something and I have, uh, you know, I sort of stay focused and I do it. Um, I think, these three qualities um, have definitely helped me. Chitra, I have a, <laughs> I have more of a, a fun question for you. Please do ask. And the question is, what would you say is your favorite pump up song to listen to before you like get in the zone to, to work <laughs> on your business? <laughs> Well, I'm not really a, a, you know, a pump up song kind of a kind of a girl, to be honest. Um, okay. I love listening to different podcasts. Okay. Um, you know, um, so I, I really like, you know, listening to a lot of, you know, podcasts from Europe. Uh, so there's this deliciously, deliciously yellow podcast, which is fantastic. So I listen to her podcast quite a bit. Um, I also listen to Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's podcast, which again talks about, you know, people who've written different books, different stories, um, you know, talks about mind-body connection, happiness. Um, so, you know, that's again, my, one of my favorite podcasts and completely, you know, uh, off topic from, you know, healthcare and what I really like, 
to I also absolutely love interior designing and that is a podcast from the UK by two really funny British interior designers uh, called The Great Indoors. I love their podcast. So that actually is my go-to. <laughs> you know, if I'm feeling a little low, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to what they're saying today. <laughs> And that is good enough for me to be able to, you know, get into my work. So, yeah, that, that's something that I would say. And then listening to a song, this is what I do. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So with that being said, first off, let me just say again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it's about to be 11 uh, <laughs> over where you're at. So we won't we won't keep you too much longer, you know, but uh, seriously, you know, we're we're really appreciative that you made the time to come on and provide the value. There's a lot of value that was provided today. And with that being said, for any of our listeners who, you know, this may be their first time coming into contact with you or being exposed to you, what would be some uh, contact information that you would want to leave for them to follow up with you or even social media, anything like that? Absolutely. I, you can always find me on uh, my website. It's www.akriti.nl, A-K-I-R-I-T-I.nl. Um, Akriti in Sanskrit means the beginning. So that's, you know, the reason why that's my uh, website. So uh, it's akriti.nl. And you could also find me on Instagram at akriti underscore official. Um, and my podcast, Baby Ahoy. Um, so that's the podcast that I've released on Monday. So uh, that's something that you could you know, definitely look me up, look me up there. Um, I'm also on Facebook page. It's, it's called Akriti. That's, uh, you know, you could also look me up there. Um, but yeah, um, you, you, people are welcome to get in touch with me. If they want more information, you can get in touch with me. I'll be very, very happy to give you more information about hypnobirthing or maybe even finding a local hypnobirthing practitioner um, you know, any of that is definitely a possibility. There's also a Facebook group called um, Hypnobirthing. Um, in, I think it's called Hypnobirthing Parents. So anybody who's pregnant who can actually get into the group for free. Um, so yeah, you could actually get into the group and find your, you know, your ways of getting more information about either a hypnobirthing practitioner close by, um, or if you want to get more resources to have an understanding more about the book or any other resources. It's all available there. I love that. I love that. I love that. Talking about resources, we like to talk about our gear here at the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Yes, today we switched up a little bit. I have on the gray t-shirt. I see that. <laughs> right. And for our listeners, um, we want to make sure that you can you guys can be able to rep and you know just hold us down. So what you got to do, you got to text the number 321-384-6275. Text the word shirt. To that number, 321-384-6275. So if you to get yours, you can get it in gray, you can get it in white, you can get it in black. You might even be able to get it in red if you ask really nicely. Um, and yes, you can get it customized. I keep saying that over and over again to y'all. You can get it customized. Also, make sure to text the word um, study guide to 321-384-6275. Listen, with each episode, we drop a study guide. So you don't just listen, but you actually learn and apply, right? So in order to do this, to get the most from this episode, you need to text the word study guide to 321-384-6275. If you're pregnant, if you know somebody that's pregnant, if you know somebody's giving birth, if you know somebody that's thinking about giving birth, 
this is the episode they need to listen to, but not only listen to, but take notes and actually learn. 321-384-6275. Text the word study guide to get it. Thank you much. Thank you so much for that, Paul. And also, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, you can also text the word help to that number. If you need any help as far as advertising, Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, any search engine optimization work, any funnel building, anything like that in the marketing arena, please text the word help to that number and we will help you guys out as well. So with that being said to our lovely listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you so much for your continued support. Do us a favor, go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the very bottom on our page, leave a five-star review and leave a meaningful comment as well. A lot of you send me these texts and, and, and these messages. I don't want any more texts. I don't want any more messages. Leave them all, leave all these good things you have to say on the page, on the review. It helps us and it also helps getting our message out and other people realizing that there's value um, in our podcast. So with that being said, Chicha, thank you so much once again. And uh, until next time, peace. Many blessings. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.